Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. If you are a business CFO and you go deep dive into the business nuances, these are a few examples where you can really contribute managing the two objectives of growth and the risk. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's Strength of the Numbers. Now some of you may recognize the voice of this week's guest mentor, Anand Soni. And Anand is a renowned speaker and strategic writer on finance and on business. And that comes from having a 30 plus year career as a senior finance leader, commercial CFO, managing many diversified businesses, covering manufacturing, contracting, construction, property development, retail, you name it, FMCG, uh, I, the list goes on. And all of this helps make for a very practical and very insightful episode of Strength in the Numbers this week. So, Anand and myself, we go and cover a number of different areas together. And what I particularly like is how he shares his experiences and thoughts on how to gain confidence, uh, particularly in these times of managing business through a lot of complexity. And really, uh, one way of doing this is looking at ourselves and competing with ourselves every day. So we go into that and also the importance of self-belief and how we make sure that no one else takes that away from us. Because that, like a lot of things, is a choice. So Nan shares with us his journey on that as well. Uh, we also go into the topic of this podcast, which is the role of the business CFO, and how that compares and differs from a regular CFO role, plus the responsibilities that come with this role that has been seen involved in accounting and finance. So definitely, for those of you curious to understand what the business CFO is, it's definitely worth your while staying tuned into this episode and also connecting with Anand afterwards as well. So remember, if you do enjoy this episode, you can find out more details about Anand the key quotes, resources, timestamp show notes, and a lot more at sitnshow.com. And we really appreciate when you share the episode with your colleagues. We're available on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, and soon to be Amazon Music. And as always, really appreciate you investing your time in strengthening the number. So that's enough for me. And without further ado, over to Anand and the show. Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andrew, and uh, thank you for inviting me at this great platform. Thank you so much. Hey, look, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. And look again, sorry for so long. It you know it took us to to reach out and get you on. I'm delighted to share you with our audience. And for some of our audience who maybe aren't familiar with your journey in accounting and finance, would you mind maybe going through a brief story about how you ended up in finance and doing what you're doing? That's very interesting. I loved finance, so. I qualified as a chartered accountant, and then I did my CPA from US. I all my exams in the first knock. So at 22, I was a chartered accountant. Then I worked for the first seven years back in India. And then 98, I came down to Middle East, spent about seven years in uh, Muscat. And then here I'm in Dubai since uh, 2005. So how many years now? 15 years in Dubai, about seven years in Muscat. So Andrew, essentially, if you look at, I'm more a Middle East 
guy, having significantly spent time here. But overall, about 28 years of experience. And the journey has been a, it's a pretty up and down in the sense that um, about every professional goes through it. So I'm not an exception. But yes, I would say I was lucky that I could um, work for different diversified businesses, whether it was uh, manufacturing, uh, contracting, construction, or trading, uh, retail, hospitality, stock markets, health sector. So give me a business, Andrew, I will handle it. That's, the, that's where I'm coming from. The other highlight of my journey has been that I have worked uh, essentially for the family-driven organizations, you know. So when I say family, it means a father, son, two daughters, father, son, other, okay, so with some external directors too, but essentially a family-driven organization. This is what my core expertise is. And um, I, in Dubai in 2008, I'd seen the good times too. Then when the crisis happened in 2008 and plus, I went through the organization. So actually, when I look back, I have seen organizations from different phases of business. For example, some of the organization may be in survival, then consolidation, then going to growth, and then going to acceleration. So I have been through all these phases. So, you know, when I said, give me the business, uh, Andrew, I will handle. I think it's also give me the phase I will manage whether it's a survival phase or a consolidation phase. These are, that's what my journey is. That's about the professional part. The other professional part, which I think I'm pretty proud of and I keep doing it. I'm a fairly uh, well-known speaker at the various conferences. I keep sharing my views as a panel speaker, as a solo speaker, as and when someone invites me. And I, I really speak from my head and heart as I'm doing now. So whatever I'm going to say, it's something which I experienced. You probably won't find all these things in a textbook. It's what I believe, what I what I felt. Someone may agree, <laughs> yes, someone yes. may not agree. I'm fine with that. I also uh, am a strategic writer too. I keep on um, writing articles and I am pretty frequent blogger too. I keep writing on the professional matters, uh, sometimes on the finance, business, and at times on the leadership matters too. This is how and a lot of people ask me, Andrew, that why, uh, what sort of satisfaction you get when you go into conference as a speaker, because, you know, mm. public speaking is supposedly the most fearful thing, as people say. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently death came third. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people were right, rated right. this and they put it up, but yeah, death came third, yeah. And, you know, my answer to all of them is, look, I don't go for, as for conferences or as a speaker, uh, just to speak, I really consider it as a significant outlet to de-stress myself. Because you see, as a professionals, you need different outlets to de-stress. Someone may be finding reading books. Someone may find gardening. Mm -hmm. You know, I find de-stressing when I talk as a speaker or when I write strategy. So this is how I relate to why I go for all this. Here, uh, I'm there to discuss with you about business CFO and... Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's one concept I want to get into. But, you know, given your journey, I've got a couple of questions from your journey, actually. Uh, the first one is those four phases you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, Anand, give me the, you know, I'm Anand, give me the phases, I'll manage, I'll deal with it. Do you, where do you get that strength or that self-belief from? Is that from just you, your personality? Or is there something deeper in your training that you, you leverage in that terms of that self-belief? Obviously, you learn every day, right? It would be pretty incorrect for me to say that, look, I picked up from the word go. No, 
obviously the first few years you learn you make mistakes but <laughs> if you really ask me the driving force the confidence i think a couple of things here i i mentioned you that i was lucky or whichever way you say it, have gone through pre 2008 times 2008 then post 2008 and having seen the diversified businesses so that was on the work front right mm. i also believe that at the end of the day your work has lot to do with how do you take every day i mean the sense that i believe that i compete with myself every day every minute which means am i doing better than what i did yesterday and if i have i have made some mistakes it's as simple as accept own learn move do something different yeah, that exactly yeah. is the definition of uh, when you say i'm competing with myself and i i'm a strong believer of that that's where your best comes all the time the other is the self belief because your self belief i believe andrew is something which with you i don't think that anyone can take your self belief unless you allow it to be taken by others and it's and it is not a textbook doctrine it is not a textbook idiom it is very practical because your self belief is something and if you allow it to be taken by others and that's your problem not yes. theirs uh, the two driving forces apart from the diversified businesses uh, good or bad times is competing with self and the fact that your self belief cannot be taken by others unless you are these are my driving forces which gives the confidence i love that second one i don't think we talk about that enough and and you know self belief and you know it was another guest mentor on the show we had and that is something in terms of competing myself if we're just competing for that 1% better every day and you compound that across a year that's over well that's nearly 3700% better by the end of the year that's powerful impact compounding absolutely absolutely you know so we should never lose sight of that and never give up that self belief to someone else because that's what we're missing out on so that that's really great advice and and the only other question i had then i suppose on that journey that i'd love to pick pick your mind on was look we, you know a lot of our audience is in in europe and the us and uk but but we've got like a lot of our listeners uh, out of the middle east actually you know it's fantastic to see and and, and hear the feedback i suppose in terms of yourself how have you seen the middle east develop over the last 15 or so years and how do you see that continuing into the future from your perspective your broad in perspective do you see like a good outlook for the middle east or are there some choppy roads ahead well things have been changing in the middle east again when you talk about middle east uae is different you have so many countries in middle east but i distinguish uae uae is the best in the middle east they cannot be two peers on that and as i said i always feel myself lucky and blessed to be in this great country and this great city uh, so it's a very forward looking very vibrant thinking very positive leadership we always try to do better than what was yesterday i mean i can confidently talk about the uae we have been doing good we are doing good and we will continue to do all the great things i have strong faith in the country in the economy and the most important part is the ability of the country to face any challenges whether it's yeah, a, yeah. Uh, economic challenges or uh, health challenges i think uh, that's where so I don't want to comment on the Middle East, but I can definitely continue talk about the country which I love so much, the UAE. I appreciate you. You're very, very passionate about it. And look, uh, you know, I, I was, I only was ever out there for a week at work, so I never, I never spent as much, uh, obviously, much time. But that's great to hear that you know you feel that the the future is good and strong, uh, and great, great ability to face those challenges within the UAE. True. I suppose then you mentioned also, you know, you you frequently write and you're a thought leader, Anand. 
and this concept of the business CFO, which I know you've written about extensively and commented on, for some of our audience may not be familiar with with how you describe that. Would you mind maybe sharing your thoughts on what a business CFO is for them? Business CFO is a, is a term which I coined. Current times and COVID times and even earlier also, if you ask me, there are two broad responsibilities of a CFO. What, is, what are those two? First is, as I mentioned earlier, whatever the phase of a business is, whether you're into survival, consolidation, growth, acceleration. As a CFO or as a business CFO, you're expected to take the business from, if it is in survival, take to the next stage, then mm-hmm. take to the next stage. And that's one big bullet point for the CFO. That's not on. That's not only thing. The other part is the risk, risk mitigation, assessment and management of risk and any circumstances. So the board or the chairman expects a CFO to manage his businesses and then mitigate it against risk. Now, Andrew, if you logically look, what I'm saying is you have two different diagonally opposite things which a CFO is expected to deliver. Growth, managing risk. Now, if you really logically look at, if you have to manage the risk and take the business to the next level, then you have to be a business CFO. So what is this business CFO? Obviously, business CFO is someone who goes into the nuances of the businesses, understands the business well, and relate every business to these aspects, to preambles, the two bullet points which I said. Now, let me give you one or two examples just to drive what is this business here. For example, let us say if you're handling a trading company, a trading business. Now, you can have trading as B2B, which is business to business, and you have, you can have B2C which is business to customer and customer. A typical B2B could be, say, an interior fit out like furnitures where your end user is also a business house like yours. Mm-hmm. Now, for that, you need showrooms. But if you have a business which is B2C, uh, typically, uh, you know, there's food items or medicines where the end user is, like Andrew is an end user yeah. or Anand yeah. is an end user, B2C, yeah, yeah, yeah. customer. So what do you do then? In that situation, you need distribution channels. Retail showroom won't help you. Now, unless you understand this, and if you are a CFO who cannot appreciate this difference, you won't be in the position to take the business with the right suggestions, right solutions. Let me give you another example. You see, in a manufacturing business, now let's talk about a manufacturing business. In a typically in a manufacturing business, we as finance experts always believe that nothing can be done at the cost of goods sold level. <laughs> It is beyond. You can't reduce it. And that, that, that's a fact, Andrew. I mean, you know, we are very comfortable yeah. in bringing down selling and distribution or, you know, yes. um, employment no, cost. But <laughs> exactly. ask anyone cost of goods sold. And, you know, typically, what is our easy uh, excuse? Look, it's very technical, especially for a manufacturing business. Yeah. I'm not a production guy. What can yeah. I do? Yeah. 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 Here's yeah. the difference. If you're a business here for, like in my one of my organizations, what I did was, I went to the shop floor, understood the product mix of the manufacturing process, and then we could suggest something which could bring down the cost. There's another example of how a business CFO can help. Let me give you the one more example, which is typically could be for the pricing. Pricing. Pricing is so important in current times when the revenue is under stress. Now, most of the CFOs will tell you, how can I increase the revenue? Uh, you know, how can I, I can't, my pricing is, I can't lower down the pricing. But again, if you are a business CFO, who understands the business and he would then suggest, why don't you go for uh, something known as a minimum variable uh, pricing model by which you can recover the variable cost and manage the fixed cost. So in that you are increasing a turnover too. So 
the point I'm driving is, you know, I can keep giving you so many other examples, but these examples are basically to, to convey that, look, if you are a business CFO and you go deep dive into the business nuances, these are a few examples where you can really contribute managing the two objectives of growth and the risk. Of risk, when you look at in the current times, one of the basic risk is collections, collecting money from your debtors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge risk at the moment, yes. All right. Now, a typical CFO will tell, look, what can I do? The liquidity is under stress. Market is bad. But if you are a business CFO who understands your business and understand the business of your debtors, you will come up with so many solutions which can help you in speeding up the collections, provided you understand the business you're in. So these are a few examples uh, which I believe the business here for. And but the role has significantly undergone a change in the current times, Andrew. If you ask me, the role of a business CFO in the last five months has gone big time changes than what it was, say, in the month of March. Okay, that's that's a profound statement to make. Why, why do you think that is, Anand? Very interesting. Very, very interesting. You see, again, the expectations from the business CFO still remain the same. The two preamble. That hasn't changed. But the dynamics have changed completely in the last four months, five months. Now, what, have, what mm -hmm. has changed? You see, the, the biggest change in my view is the risk perception. For example, earlier, I've been CFO for the last 10 years, even more than that. But mm -hmm. I never heard anyone asking me, say, before February 2020, are you worried on the risks? In those days, the risk will be what is going to happen to the business after one year, after one and a half years. Or should you go and invest in Ireland, Andrew's country? Or <laughs> should you go and invest in UK? Diversification, all right? So the risk in those days used to be investment-based, used to be a horizon of one year, one and a half years. There was never a risk assessment on a going concern basis. There was never a risk assessment to say, look, are you going to survive after one month? I've never heard these sort of analysis anytime before February. It's funny you say that because like, I have to say in my entire career, I have only done one impairment review on an asset as in a company. And that was because I was part of a private equity firm and they wanted to make sure that they didn't have to impair the asset. And that's like, what, once in 20 years. So like, I can imagine that's a very similar experience for a lot of CFOs out there, finance leaders, that they've never really had to look at their business as a going concern, even though it's one of the fundamental principles of, true, um, true, of, true. of accounting and finance, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you're spot on. You're spot on. But that's where we are. So today, if you ask me, the, the whole responsibility of, the, of a business CFO is manage today, manage three months, six months, that's it. And yeah. Actually speaking, if you can ensure a break-even business in current times, it's an achievement for a business. Here. I know, yeah. This is, a, this is a significant difference when you ask I know, me isn't it? how the role has changed. This is yeah. a significant difference in the current times. Yeah, but but we should all know we should all know our break-even and margins of safety. I think that's just. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe it's just forcing us to not necessarily up our game, but use a suite of tools that we've been trained to use. You know, these are not new terms for us. It's just maybe we're a bit rusty at implementing. Them. And I do have another question, actually, Anand, which is how then does the business CFO differ from a normal CFO? Is there such a thing anymore? The few things which I mentioned to you, the two main points which a business CFO is supposed to do it. I'm not sure a normal CFO will be really accountable for it. Probably a normal CFO may not go deep dive into the businesses. The other point which I have been differentiates a, a business CFO 
and a normal CFO is how do you deal with the stakeholders? It's a very important point mm. because mm. you see what happens is, Andrew, we can keep talking for maybe another one, another two hours. <laughs> yeah, the time no, cows yeah, come can. home. <laughs> right. Till the time cows come home, we can keep debating. I can give you a hundred examples. If you are a board member and if you are the, the chairman, you will definitely ask me, Anand, where are my solutions? So one of the key difference between a business CFO and another CFO is dealing with the ownership because that's very, very tricky, actually. And again, if you ask me, uh, the dealing with the ownership, say, six months back before COVID came and today, these are big time changes. These are big time changes as a business CFO when you're dealing and managing the ownership. What one particular? For example, nowadays, if you have to deal with the ownership, first of all, you have to be a good listener. That's the starting point. You've got to be a listener. <laughs> you know, most of the time we, we start believing that, you know, and I can talk about the family businesses because that's what my core expertise has been. Many times we undermine saying, look, we as professionals know everything. Now I disagree. As someone who has built a business, you've got to listen to them. When I say listen, I don't mean to say that you need to accept what they're saying, yeah. but uh, you listen to them. And if you have to change, change yourself. There's no room for ego space. So if you go with the suggestion, after listening to the ownership, you believe you need to change, change it. That's one. Two, well, you've listened, but you still believe that as business CFO, uh, what you're suggesting is making a lot of sense. Hold your views. Don't give up. Again, go back to your ownership with your facts, figures, facts, logic, yeah, has to be data driven. Yep. analysis. And here's the key. Explain them in the language in which they understand. Again, repeat. Explain them in the language in which they understand. Which There's you already no get from listening. Yes. So if you can't explain them, the fault lies with you. Explain them in the language which they understand. Make that effort. And that's where many of the CFOs fail. Make that effort. Now, the other point is when you deal with these stakeholders, the external stakeholders and the internal stakeholders, I've seen if you really demonstrate to the ownership that you have made very sincere efforts in getting a job done, they do appreciate it. Yeah. Now, and I'll give you an example. Let us say you have to manage a bank. Very relevant in current times. Most of the companies are restructuring their bank liabilities currently, right? So you go to your banks. So you have banks as one external stakeholder, and then you have the ownership as the another stakeholder. And you are the business here. So how do you manage it? Your object objective is to get the restructuring from the bank. I'm talking of the COVID times. Now, you talk to the banks, give your business logic, negotiate with them. You may succeed, you may fail, you may partially succeed. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have handled your banker as an external stakeholder well, and then you go back to your internal stakeholders at the board and say, look, I have made X, Y, Z efforts with this particular bank, here is my efforts. And show the genuine positive intent that you try your best. And I, I, I'm really convinced that if you do, if you follow this route, then there's a, every chance that the ownership will listen to you because they know that you made efforts. The point is either we, as a CFOs, business CFOs, we don't make the efforts or we don't have the self-belief that we can convince the stakeholders. And that's where I come starting point. Our self-belief is very important. No one can take it unless you allow it to be taken. So managing stakeholders is something which is, which is another area which differentiates between a business CFO and a normal CFO, more so in the current times. I think that's where the business comes in. It's really an appreciation of the stakeholders of the business meshing with the CFO and the fundamental equation, that's which right. is that value equation, isn't it? Which is, 
it's growing cash flows relative to risk. You know, it's that double-sided equation, you know, and sometimes they're diametrically opposed. So no, that's really great. And then, then I suppose for some of our listeners who are thinking about, yeah, that, that sounds like something I want to do, be a business CFO. Do you have any sort of maybe practical advice or maybe some steps they can begin to take to become business CFOs themselves? That's very important. And that's something which I'm asked every time. Well, the four or five steps for anyone who wants to become a business CFO. First, of course, get into the business nuances, understand the business. That's one. Two, you should also know when you're going to the business to understand the business, what you are expected to do. And there's a problem. So you need to know what is the solution expected. So you must know the roadmap. So you cannot find a solution if you don't know the roadmap. The other word is the process. So you also need to equally know a process. And let me give you an example. A payable accountant can keep telling you, look, I don't have money. I haven't paid the supplier. But if the payable accountant knows the shipping process, how the goods come from Thames port in UK to our Jablali port in Dubai, if he knows the process, he would know this is the shipping time and he can make a very judgmental call on which supplier to pay. Now, is the accountant willing to understand the process? So knowing the process is a very, very critical for you to become a business here. And that's what we call the end-to-end process, right? It's not just something that's an end, you know, transaction. It's the end-to-end business process. It's knowing, as you said, where it could originate in a port in, in Thames in the UK in London. And the process then ends up in Dubai and then it ends up in a financial transaction that may or may not take place at a certain time. That's end-to-end. You know, it's business and financial. Yeah, so you need to know end-to-end process. That's the point number two. The other thing is, once you know the process, once you're going deep dive in the business and you know what solution is expected, that's the third. The fourth is how to get a solution. There's no mm. point of knowing this is what I need to know. <laughs> yeah. What What are you supposed to do to get a solution? What are you supposed yeah. to do to get a solution? And the, the, one more point is there is, you see, people always get confused when I say getting deep dive into the businesses. They believe that, look, they should spend all the time in understanding the business. No, this is not what I am suggesting. There's always there's always a cost-benefit analysis for a finance professional to get into the businesses. So let's say a manufacturing business, uh, no one is expecting you to go and understand each and every manufacturing production process. So exactly. you need to draw a line. You need to draw a line <laughs> to what extent you should go and go deep dive. What Because yes. you are managing the financial and commercial aspect in your over-enthusiasm, don't over-indulge. This is one of the other aspects, other extreme people going too much deep dive and then saying there's no time for them. Because let's understand one thing. A business CFO is still supposed to be technically very strong, academically, accounting wise, fundamentally very strong. If you are not that, you can't become a business CFO. How do you stop yourself going too deep? That's that's the thing. That's a common challenge for a lot of us, right? Is how do you know when enough is enough detail? Well, I'll give you an example just to answer you. I think it's the best way. Let us say, if it's a construction business model, I think I've spoken about manufacturing, I've spoken about retail. So I'm now going to talk okay. about construction, construction yeah. business. Let us say in a construction business, uh, if you are a developer who is building, uh, who's building the buildings, big time buildings, in which sense, in that time, probably I would expect a business CFO to go to the project sites to see what is happening on the projects, because that will help him in understanding which supplier yeah. to pay, which supplier not Specific to pay. Context. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that will also help him in understanding because, you know, there's an accounting work in progress, which you account in a balance sheet. Now, 
if you know after having visited a project site that this is the pending payments i have to make this is my work in progress in my current assets in my balance sheet so you are able to link your technical expertise of accounting relate to the business and then make a judgment call so here you need to go deep dive but supposing if you are having a business which is of trading and which has standard products say 8000 items there's no point of you to go and understand each and every nuances of 8000 products waste of time yeah. so andrew i think if you appreciate the difference and probably that will have your answer to what extent you should go in to what extent you should go in it's like a pareto prioritization isn't it it's like biggest bang for your buck you know, not all products are created equally you know 80% of our sales are come from 20% of our products that type of thing so it all depends on which business you are into yeah exactly and yeah, your point. technical expertise fundamentally strong and then you take a decision otherwise you will make a complete mess of everything and there's some very useful steps any other steps you would add to those you've just mentioned when the last step and that's that's more to do with the personality of a person well enjoy what you're doing if you enjoy what you're doing if you make a mistake accept it learn it move it again enjoy so you need to enjoy it i mean you can't work if you if you don't enjoy it enjoy it from your head and enjoy it from your heart both sides then only you can do the best most of the, most of us don't enjoy it most of us don't enjoy it and that's why we make mistakes i go completely agree i completely agree and actually it's it's not sometimes it's okay to make mistakes and if you enjoy it you learn from it uh, and yeah. then you'll make less or less or whatever but yeah i think that's a key point and and then I suppose look, that's great advice for our audience listening, but I suppose for yourself, I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? I think the first advice which I received and I still believe was the same thing which I started my discussion uh, from one of my seniors was compete with yourself, self compete. I'm a strong supporter of that, as I said initially. So that's the best advice which I got very early in my career. That don't be over enthusiastic to prove others, prove yourself, compete with yourself. You make a mistake. learn it move can you be better than yesterday so this is the advice which i got and which i strongly believe which i keep sharing everywhere because i think that's the best way i like that i think it's very powerful anand and i suppose in terms of you know our audience would you have any other parting thoughts maybe to share with them uh, before we wrap up it has been a great talking to you andrew and i think of course but for the technical glitches we had otherwise it was a great session and you know and it's very interactive uh, session which i like because many times you know Uh, from both the parties from your end and the other and if it's monologue and one person speaking doesn't help so i think it's a it's a pretty interactive session you and i think i like it honestly so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today their bio and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com there you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows read the latest blogs there's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out latest events news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting and just before you go we really appreciate your feedback if there's something we can do better on the show something that's not working or something you'd like to see even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community please let me know You can email me. I'm at Andrew at sitnshow.com, or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me, and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, 
We'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.